0: Hey there, folks. I get to talk to John Smirak. How bad could it be? John Smirak, I still sound stuffed up, but uh, hey, it's not about me. The question is, what do you think about how I sound?
1: I think you sound more like some late night radio host from the 1970s doing kind of romantic music. You know, like you're you're about to put on some... Uh, who's one of those great soul singers, you know, uh, Lou Lou Rawls, Rawls. you're about to spin some Lou Rawls. And the people listening to you are smoking their joints, hoping to get lucky.
0: And I want to say, and it's my way of telling my audience, you'll never find another love like mind. Uh, (laughs) So here we go, John, um, before we talk about anything else, let me just say how great it is to see you, how great it is to be back. And when I say back, I don't know what I mean by that. Technically I'm here, but what is today? Monday? Yeah. Okay. So it really is Monday, the 29th of November. Uh, my audience, uh, if they listen to the previous segment, they know that I had COVID and I had, um, I had other, I had complications associated with COVID. And um, so, but nothing, nothing serious. That, ma- that makes it sound really serious. But it's just been a wacky, wacky time, and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to get back in the saddle. There's a lot of exciting and important information that I want to talk about with regard to Mike Lindell and some other things. But we are going to leave that for our two, Albin and um, Chris Himes and I will talk about that. Right now, I want to talk to you, John really about anything. You've got all these articles at stream.org, but what, what do you wanna wanna start first? Is, I mean, I
1: haven't talked since Kyle Rittenhouse was 100% vindicated of any criminal charges. And um, I'm proud to say that I'm one of the very first people commentators in America who came out two days after the shooting to say that Kyle Rittenhouse appeared to me to be completely innocent and in fact, an American hero. And all the facts, all the witnesses, all the testimony, all the video has confirmed my initial column from two days after the shooting. Uh, Mainstream media have ignored all of it, lied about all of it, have repeated entirely invented libelous statements about Mr. Rittenhouse saying that he was a white supremacist, member of some
0: white nationalist militia. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, because we are non-judgmental. I want to be very, very clear. <laughs> Our media,
1: almost universally, reported false statements about Kyle Rittenhouse. Destructive, really destructive, false statements. Um, the most destructive thing you can say about someone in America is that he's a white nationalist. It's, it's really more destructive than saying someone is a child pornographer.
0: Actually, let me ask you a question, because I have to always go to the roots. Why do we care if somebody's a white supremacist? Or Isn't the issue, is he a murderer? Isn't that the issue? Like, if I kill you because I hate that you're black, or I kill you because I hate that you're white, or I kill you because you're not Greek, does it matter? If I murder you... It's called murder. So aren't we already in other words, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but the reason we're in the mess that we're in is because we talk about things like why someone murdered someone rather than did someone murder someone. Problem,
1: Eric, is that you're you're speaking like someone from the old America. The new America is in the grips of the imposition of a new official religion. Anti-racism is the new official religion of America, and it's being imposed upon us the way Islam was imposed upon the Christians of Egypt after the conquest of that country. Um, Last week, I believe, a couple weeks ago, you interviewed Paul Gottfried, a brilliant scholar. He's got a whole book on this uh, Uh, several books on it. In fact, uh, his recent book on anti-fascism talks about that. What we are seeing in in the woke attitudes is not just old-fashioned political correctness. It's a new hysterical, puritanical, moralistic cult. It's like Calvinism without Christ, it 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 asserts the total depravity of
0: Western society. Wait a minute, Calvinism without Christ—you mean Calvinism?
1: Well, the Calvinists it's believe somebody. Just teasing.
0: Saved. Just Calvinists teasing. believe somebody is
1: saved. Um, I, the woke believe, I guess that non-whites and
0: their leftist allies can be saved. Uh, but everything else is worth destruction. I'm sir. just, I'm just teasing my Dutch friends in uh, in uh, in Holland, Michigan. Well, John, let oh. me. Uh, I know, but I want I just want to ask you because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of issues here. For the headline, I mean, we're a week late because I've been away for so long. But um, I, w- where my brain goes with this stuff is it's sort of like saying Supreme Court declares one plus one equals two. And everybody cheers. And there's a side of me that says, why are we cheering? Like, we know one plus one equals two. The, the only horror is that we needed to hear what the Supreme Court said on it as though they didn't themselves know that one plus one equals two. We're I, kind of at that point right now. Roger Kimball
1: wrote a brilliant column about this. Kyle Rittenhouse, that case should, should never have gone to trial. We had high-definition video of leftist thugs chasing him through the streets yelling kill him kill him kill him we had video of someone clubbing him with a skateboard we had video of someone pointing a gun at him when he shot those three psychotics one of whom was a pedophile uh it it was obviously self-defense he should wait wait
0: wait wait. Even, even this this is like my brain explodes you say one of whom was a pedophile okay a child rapist. Now, if you're following the news, m- many people already know this, but I think it bears repeating, since we've not addressed this issue, talking about things that are so confusing. In other words, it's, it's not an issue of Kyle Rittenhouse is chased by some people or whatever. The people chasing him are the sort of characters that anybody would say are super bad people. Not anybody, Eric,
1: uh, not anybody. The mainstream media were say, calling them heroes. You had a Democrat legislator saying they were a group of heroes. They were anti-racist activists. And Kyle Rittenhouse crossed state lines illegally with an AR-15 attack- assault weapon and killed them. None of which is true. They were well, white. We know. We know. Don't take I mean, all this like, for, for granted, Eric. The old maybe your listeners don't know this because you're the only person saying it. If they read MSN, if they watch NBC, if they watch CNN, they don't know any of this. They think he was a white nationalist who carried a gun across state lines and murdered people. None of which is true. He didn't carry a gun across state lines. He shot in self-defense. He wasn't a white nationalist. They were white communist thugs trying to murder him, trying to burn down a used car dealership of some small businessman. Kyle Rittenhouse was a good Samaritan. He set step, he got off the road and found the victim of robbers and took care of him. While Pharisees and Levites like David French and the others at National Review sneered at him and called him a vigilante and said he was reckless. and and said no one should view Kyle Rittenhouse as a hero. If Kyle Rittenhouse is the kind of American who built this country, he was the same when he picked up his rifle. He was the same age Nathan Hale was when he gave up his one life for his country. He was the same age as those soldiers David French encouraged George Bush to send to Iraq.
0: It was fine for 17-year-olds to carry guns. Actually, Kyle Rittenhouse was far younger than Nathan Hale. I mean, it's an amazing thing. We're both 17. They
1: were both 17. I looked it up. No, no,
0: no, no, no. Nathan Hale was 21 when he died. I don't think so. I think he was 17. I can't believe I know something Zmirak doesn't know. I finally got a fact that I can use, John, to prove that you're human. John, as as, as superhuman as you are, technically you're human. No, he was 21 um, and he had, you know, he'd already graduated from Yale and everything. Look, the point is we're talking about young men. We're talking about heroes. We're talking about people willing to die for something they believe in, something called liberty, something called law and order. And they've been vilified. Um, I mean, look, Nathan Hale is not being vilified in the way that Kyle Rittenhouse is being vilified. But the fact of the matter is, it's just about the same. When we come back, you and I can talk about the Yale connection that you and I have and 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 what yale did with with nathan hale all right folks um forgive me sounding stuffed up the reason is that i'm stuffed up we'll be right back talking to John Smirak. John Smirak is talking to me. I see this as a positive thing for the nation. John, uh, before we go to the Waukesha Massacre, and you've written all this stuff at stream.org, I want to go back just to Nathan Hale. You mentioned him. In my book, If You Can Keep It, I write about his story. And I think half of the time that I'm writing the things that I write, what astonishes me is that I realize that I'm old enough now where many people are not familiar with what I'm writing about. And the, the larger problem is it's not an age thing. It's an epic. In other words, for 200 years, every American knew who Nathan Hale was every American. It had nothing to do with what decade you were born in, but something happened since you and I roughly were at Yale in the eighties, the culture has shifted so that you have young people that don't look up to American heroes like Nathan Hale. The reason we were able to be America for 250 years almost is because we had had a national culture where most people looked up to folks like Nathan Hale who died for his nation. That idea and those ideals have evaporated, and so we find ourselves now uh, in a situation where somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse does what he does and there's no the, the, the assumptions that used to be there are gone. In other words, we would like to think that we live in a country where if somebody actually murdered somebody, if Kyle Rittenhouse was a murderer, we would all condemn him. But we're no longer in a place where we're even asking that question. It's already assumed that unless you were on the other side of things, you're a, you're a bad guy. So I, I just, I always want to frame things a little bit. So forgive me.
1: It's fine. Um, I wrote a column at stream.org. Congratulations, Kyle Rittenhouse. Now flee while you can to Brazil. I think Kyle Rittenhouse should flee to the country of Brazil and ask for political asylum. And I'm not kidding because he, the jury had barely finished reading its verdict that Jerry Nad- Representative Jerry Nadler was urging the Justice Department to file civil rights charges against Kyle Rittenhouse to claim that he violated the civil rights of the three people who were trying to kill him when he shot them, and I think the Biden administration is perfectly capable of doing that. It's sending FBI agents to stalk parents going to school board meetings. The, the, the Gitmo on the Potomac is full of, of people from January 6th who are have char- been held without bail in solitary confinement for almost a year for crimes like trespassing and illegal parading and violently interrupting an official proceeding. They're being treated like murderers. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in Waukesha, Wisconsin, you have a Black Lives Matter supporter named Daryl Brooks, I believe his name is. Let let me let me find it. Uh, Massacres drives a truck into a crowd of white Wisconsinites engaged in their annual Christmas parade. Uh, Let's see. And he, he kills six people, injures 60. He was driving his truck, zigzagging back and forth to run down as many people as possible. It took almost 24 hours for the mainstream media to even mention that the assailant was the killer was black. They, they're not mentioning all his social media posts praising Black Lives Matter, talking about killing white people talking about killing Jews, Daryl Brooks Jr. is his name. It turns out he, he is affiliated with the group, the Black Hebrew Israelites. They're the same people who are taunting and threatening Nick Sandman at the March for Life. The Wait a
0: minute. These are the guys, you know, I, I apologize on to my audience because I, I've been away and we, we're not giving you context. There's so much madness here that I guess you just have to take John's word and my word for it. And you can read what John wrote about it at stream.org. And again, there's a standing homework assignment on this program. And I mean this, folks, go to stream.org, find John's articles, print them out, share them with your friends, because we need to do the work that is no longer being done. We need to give context and to understand what is happening. Uh, So John, you've just said something I'm going to go down the, this, this, the, the, I mean, just uh, yeah, a little yeah. bit more Daryl Brooks,
1: who had already been arrested for running down his girlfriend with a truck was let out on $1,000 bail by one of the George Soros prosecutors who were elected, uh, let him out on $1,000 bail. He takes his truck and attacks a Christmas parade full of white people because of that part of Wisconsin is mostly white killing as many white people as he can. His social media is full of talking about the need to kill white people. He has not been charged with a hate crime, even though Wisconsin has a hate crime led law that would cover this. Uh, the media would not report on the possible racial motivation. And that is because anti-white hatred is a legitimate sentiment in America now. It is okay to bash and hate hate and despise white people, especially white men. I'll give you two examples. When Kyle Rittenhouse was on the stand, this guy was 17 at the time, he's got PTSD. He's talking about when this mob of communists tried to murder him, and he was forced to shoot in self-defense and then spent a month and a half in jail afterward. The whole country has demonized him. He's talking about this on the stand and he breaks down crying. Social media fills up fills up with sneers by reporters. Oh, look at the tears of the white man, white male tears. They said the same thing when Brett Kavanaugh got emotional, defending himself against Christine
0: Blasey Ford's perjury. Okay. All right. all uh, right. Forgive me, John. We're going to go to another break, folks. We've got John for both hours. Don't go away. most important news of the day today monday november 29th is literally the last day you can get 35 percent off nutramedics products when you use the code eric nutramedics n-u-t-r-a you know how to spell nutra medics is m-e-d-i-x nutramedics.com today is the last day that you can get 30 5% off when you use the code ERIC. I don't need to belabor it because I already have. John Zmirak, what's up?
1: Well, I was talking about how when Kyle Rittenhouse on the stand had to testify about when he was forced at age 17 to shoot three people in his own self defense uh, because they were part of a mob of communists yelling, kill him, kill him, hitting him with a skateboard and pointing guns at him. He broke down crying on the stand which to me was something a normal human being, not a sociopath, would do. And all over the media, you saw white man's tears, privileged white male tears. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse worked as a fry cook to support, help support his, his single mom while he was in high school. Kyle Rittenhouse is excited about enrolling at a state university, Arizona State, where, of course, leftist students are trying to get him unenrolled because they're communists. But... Um, Kyle Rittenhouse broke down on the stand, (coughs) excuse me, and our well paid elite media figures, most of them white themselves, were sneering all over social media about white male tears when Brett Kavanaugh broke down testifying before the Senate against completely frivolous made up rape charges that Christine Blasey Ford made against him. And by the way, I just want to say with regard to Ms. Ford, if I, if I could speak to her, you belong in prison for perjury. And I hope you are someday prosecuted. Okay, so they sneered at Brett Kavanaugh's white male tears. It's okay to demonize and hate white people because of their so-called privilege. Now, Eric... You know better than most people how the Nazis demonized Jews because of their so-called privilege. They supposedly ran too many newspapers, owned too many banks. They had too much money. So it was okay to sneer at them. It was okay to smash their store windows. Like was happening in Kenosha.
2: Hold
0: hold on, hold on. I I, I may be uh, wrong about this, but... It strikes me, John, that you are literally the first person that I have heard, perhaps the first person who's publicly said that the way the Jews were demonized uh, in the 30s in Germany was in a sense because of their quote unquote privilege. In other words, what you've just said, you're the first person in my uh, understanding who has made the link because it's it's the opposite of the kind of link. I mean, we, we live in a culture that is a, a victim culture. Okay. Right. But I've not heard anybody make the link to, to the Nazis and the Jews. So this is kind of interesting to me because right, that's well, it, it's yeah, an ideological I mean, link. I mean, that's rather important.
1: It is true that Jews were overrepresented in the learned professions that they, more of them went to college more of them worked in journalism and the arts these are all good things in a normal healthy society in a normal healthy society you would see oh wow what a talented group of people thank god we have them here in germany the way you we the way people you know might be about asian americans but of course there's discrimination against Asian-Americans, too, getting into college because they're overrepresented. There are too many of them. They work too hard. OK, John,
0: look, 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 let's just cut to the chase. It's called jealousy, right? Envy. When you hate somebody, envy, envy rather, sorry, envy. When you, you hate envy. someone for succeeding and you try to justify it, this right. is called envy. This is a sin from the pit of hell. This is These are the kinds of things that, that send people to hell for eternity. Hanging on to a sin. Like that, instead of repenting of it, instead of recognizing what it is, you say, No, 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 it's a good thing, and it feels good to hate these SOBs. How dare they? So when you and I were at Yale, it hadn't really come to the Asians yet, but you could feel, at least in the in the liberal groups that I was hanging out and any, you know, George Bush Sr. Uh White, Skull and Bones elite, in other words, the, the people who are running the world who were against the uh, the Nicaraguans, you know, uh, who were against it, it, it. Then it was that group of people that was demonized in a way. It hasn't changed that much, but What's it's happening the idea. Permission actually, to hate. Actually, now
1: you have permission to hate working class whites, Trump supporters, churchgoers, goers, um, the, the, the rich white people. Silicon Valley execs who live in San Francisco are not part of the group you're supposed to hate. You're supposed to hate people like Kyle Rittenhouse. If you could see how they sneered at his mother, his mother was a working class woman. Oh, I know. I saw didn't have have great makeup was not the most eloquent spokesman on television. She's been trying to keep her son out of prison. You're, so you're talking about people like
0: your mother and my mother and right. your mo- father and my father. We're talking about people like that. We're talking and about Americans, to- the people who actually built this country that's, in that's, that's, World War that's, II. That's they the point. are now
1: pawn scum. They right. are now filth that should be discarded. Now, I, I want to make another historical mm-hmm. parallel. In Rwanda in the 1990s, the Tutsis were an overachieving minority that was targeted by envy-driven leftists in the Hutu majority. They were constantly demonized in the media. They actually were called Tutsi cockroaches, and it led to a genocide, to one of the worst genocides of modern times. And now, whenever I hear people talking sneeringly about white Americans, I say, oh, we're just Tootsie cockroaches and we're waiting for the Hutus to come for us with their machetes. And that is what was done to Kyle Rittenhouse. And if you look around, our media are more outraged at Kyle Rittenhouse for defending small businesses and defending himself than they are at Daryl Brooks for massacring white people at the Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. They tried to portray that as a traffic accident until they found the video of him purposely running down little old ladies and small children. But that doesn't matter. He is a Black Lives Matter supporter, so we're not gonna talk about that. We're gonna demonize Kyle Rittenhouse for helping small businessmen defend themselves against a communist mob of arsonists and thieves.
0: I I just want to apologize to my audience for having to subject them to these facts. And I'm only half kidding. It's very painful that uh, what we're talking about is simply true, but we do need to talk about these things. Uh, I'm grateful I get to talk about these things with John Zmirak. We'll be right back. The Show with your host, Eric McTaxas. Hey, folks, welcome back. I'm trying to appear energetic, but I'm not. <laughs> um, Albin and Chris, um, it, it, people tuning into this program, I guess most of them know that I've had COVID. And uh, it was so bad my COVID had COVID. Um, but uh, basically, I've been out of commission, or as the doctors say, commish. I've been out of commish. And I'm I'm back, and things, I guess, will appear normal. They won't be normal, but they'll appear. We're going to fake it so that you can't tell yeah. that uh, I uh, I'm not myself.
2: Yeah, we're so, going to fake it until you make it. That's right. Yeah. We're going to make it. But it's
0: been, it's been a really stressful time. I think I was saying in the earlier program that I, I was I was really sick, uh, and uh, and by the way that's a good reason not to get the vaccine because you know what happens you get covid and then you get over covid and then you move on with your life and you don't have any weird rna floating around in your body not that there's anything wrong with that you know what i'm saying but uh but anyway so i know
2: i i i got the vaccine and i grew another twin wow yeah alvin that is actually that's very
0: impressive in terms of like rna replication stuff the idea that the, a third twin popped out of it somehow
2: I'm like dolly dull, the sheep right dolly yeah. the sheep about the 30 years ago yeah right you
0: you had those monoclonal uh, sheep antibodies
2: okay. um hey, uh, eric eric i just wanted to say you know publicly albin and i are relieved and grateful you're back with us uh but privately we're we're very disappointed we were
1: jockeying behind the scenes to see who would take over in the event of your untimely demise i know
0: for, and for i was
2: papitation.
0: And and behind the scenes, uh, I was working uh, so that both of you could take over. But it didn't work out. Evidently, the Lord had other plans. Uh, he yeah. resurrected me from the, yeah. from the fiery uh, COVID bed. But anyway, let me, um, let me say that uh, part of the reason it's been stressful is because my mom and dad both got COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suzanne got uh, COVID. Uh, as far as I know, Georgie, uh, the eight-pound junkyard dog, that we feed, Georgie didn't get COVID, but what do we know? Maybe Georgie did get COVID, but Georgie is a nasty junkyard dog. And the fact that we put up with that little creature around the house, it's frightening. Um, Okay. So let's, uh, let's try to frame things here. We've been talking to John Zmirak in hour one. We will continue talking to him after this segment. Um, But I want to say a couple things. First of all, I'm going back on the road I will be preaching at Awaken Church in San Diego, California, twice this coming Sunday. Very excited to get out there. It's a church that I've wanted to speak at a long time, and so I will be there. I will be signing books. I have natural immunities now, so I can cough. uh, I can sign. I can do anything, Um, but that's going to be San Diego, California. I'll be in Billings, Montana uh, next week. Uh, I don't know. I think that event may be sold out in Billings, Montana. Uh, and then what? And then I don't know. And then other stuff. But but we're, we're back in the saddle here. Um, I want to mention tonight at midnight, uh, the 35% off code expires. Nutramedics.com has continued until today. This is Monday, November 29th. Midnight tonight, the code expires. So if you want to get Thirty five percent off Nutramedics products. You have to use the code Eric before midnight tonight. I want it's to say not, that
2: it's it's not just Monday; it's Cyber Monday. That's big.
0: Yeah, whatever. Uh, so I want to mention that. Uh, I also want to mention my book is Atheism Dead is still a national bestseller, and I, I hope it continues to do uh, to do well. The feedback I've been getting has been so positive that I'm. Surprised, actually, yeah. because even you, you know, right,
2: right here. Yes, right
0: here. You, when you write a book, you know, you tend to be excited about it because you wrote it. But I have to say, the feedback I've been getting—it's the first time anybody has said. A couple people have said they thought it was better than Bonhoeffer. Or they thought it would go farther than Bonhoeffer. I don't agree with that, but just the idea that anybody would say that uh is gratifying because you know there's some actually very important stuff in the book which we've talked about
2: can i say that if a bonhoeffer were alive today he would say it's better than bonhoeffer
0: wow that is heavy and and the fact that you speak with that authority you're not just some guy saying
2: that you're out like not like like the scribes
0: not like the scribes you speak with authority um we got to mention that we've got kathy lee gifford coming on this week uh, very excited to uh, to be with her in the studio I hope tomorrow um, we should also say that Mike Lindell will be on the program to talk about everything that he's doing and I, I don't want to try to synopsize it here but we stand behind Mike the man is a hero He sacrificed tremendously mm-hmm. uh, he is the main sponsor on this program if you go to, frankspeech.com or my, uh, pillow.com or my store.com, uh, and use the code Eric. Uh, you, uh, you can get all of his products and obviously almost all of my books are available at my store.com. And by the way, the Bonhoeffer poster, oh my gosh, it is so beautiful. If you go to mystore.com, you want some inspiration, that quote, uh, it is just, uh, I believe it was Soupy Sales who who said the quote and, and Bonhoeffer ripped him off. But uh, you know what? Say la vie. That's the way it is. Um, so uh Alvin and Chris, is there anything before we go back to John's Mirack that we need to cover?
2: Chris, you must have had a slam dunk uh, Thanksgiving, didn't you?
0: Yeah, 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 we had,
1: we
2: did. We had uh, a full house uh, as well. You know, we we uh we have the chickens and the and the bunny none of which we served. Uh but we did not we did
0: not eat any braised pangolin or or roasted bats which apparently Eric you
2: did. Uh so that was uh, something I
0: caught the I was in a wet market in Wuhan yeah. and I ate some stuff I shouldn't have had ha- uh, eaten. I had some sriracha sauce on there and it just tasted so good and th- and next thing, you know, I came down with the Kung Flu Pandemic. And by the way, people say, oh, I don't know, what should I call it? Don't call it the China Flu. That's politically incorrect. It's the Kung Flu Pandemic. And um, anyway, okay, so just to reiterate, tomorrow we've got Mike Lindell on the program, we've got Kathy Lee Gifford uh, coming on the program. Uh, I believe we've got Newt Gingrich. I believe we've got Alex Berenson, New York Times. He's been on Tucker a lot, hasn't he?
2: Oh, oh yeah. Alex is on. It seems like every other you know day. There's Alex Berenson. So we've got him now. He's yeah. coming on this week. It's going to be great. It's going to be great.
0: Uh, okay. Um, and before we go back uh, to John Zmirak, um, I just want to say uh, again. Uh, thanks to all of you uh, who've been praying and stuff, because this has been a really weird time. It's it's very bizarre to be so out of commission that you can't think, you can't type, you can't you know you just you just can't do anything. Um, and uh, I just want to say thank you uh, to all of you. And I guess um, I want to remind folks. I think I said it earlier. There are real supply chain issues. I'm not joking with paper. And so uh, if you want a copy of his atheism dead get it while they exist because i i'm pretty sure they're going to run out before christmas. I'm not just saying that. We're talking to the publisher, we're trying to get this sorted out. Uh so there're plenty of copies now, but I'm just le- just letting you know this is uh inside information. And of course, it's every author's nightmare to have a book do so well that they say, "Oh, we've ran we've run out. We can't uh we can't uh meet the demand." So, um whatever you need to do, you know, Please, uh, please do it. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, I think they can also get the audio book. I don't think they run out of your voice, and they can also get the um. The, that's what, what do you call idea? that? the non-paper the Kindle. Rubber. But you know what?
0: I mean, literally, as an author, I don't even think of that. I mean, I'm not kidding. I I, I literally didn't think about that. The audio book, I read it uh, as I've read most of my recent books. The 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 I read my miracles book. I read it, if you can keep it um i read my fish out of water book and this book is no exception i read it so yes if you want the audio book they can't run out of that uh and they can't run out of kindle i i I hadn't thought of that okay uh we're gonna be back with john zmierak is that right that that is
2: correct you are correct
0: folks midnight tonight nutrametics.com 35 percent off use the code eric it expires at midnight tonight if you're interested if you're not interested it still expires at midnight tonight Folks, I'm talking to John Zmirak. It's hard for me to believe I'm back in the saddle. It's November 29th, Monday. Uh, If you've been paying any attention, you realize I haven't been here. If you haven't been paying attention, kudos to you. John Zmirak, we're talking about a lot of things. I I have to ask you, because everybody has a different temperament. You have the temperament, by God's grace, to wade in to these really painful details and uh, as a journalist to kind of sift through these facts and try to make some sense of them. There aren't many people doing that. My uh, instinct, uh, for good or for ill, is always to want, at some point, to step aside and to say, what can we do about this? Is your, I'm guessing that your response, first and foremost, is to do what you're doing, which is to say to report on it and to try to bring clarity, since there is so little.
1: Well, I think it's really important we find reconciliation across racial and ethnic lines in the church. And the church needs to be the place that brings Americans together about what's really important. Because you and I have much more in common with a Christian pygmy living in the jungle jungle in Congo than we do with a secular American of the same ethnic background as ourselves.
0: Right.
1: So I, I want to see people gathering in the church and coming to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and finding the real source of unity in our human dignity as children of God, made by God, redeemed by Christ, brought together by the Holy Spirit. These are the things that bring us together. So when I talk about these racial issues, my intention is not to divide and not to rally white people as white people. No, not at all. My intention is to is where I see people being demonized, vilified, treated unfairly because of their ethnicity. I want to object to
0: that as a Christian. So that this- well, let me but but let me just say that part of the problem, of course, is that we're living in very strange times when the church itself. And when I say the church, I'm, I'm talking about serious Catholics and I'm talking about serious evangelicals where, where the church itself. Is confused and divided in other words you and i both have friends that 10 years ago we thought they were our uh politically uh ideologically political colleagues uh who who believed the basics we believed that we had christian friends that believed the basics but we're suddenly in a time now where cultural marxism has infiltrated the church, the conservative movement. And so it's very difficult to have the kind of coalition that that we once did. So you and I can talk all day long and I understand what you say and you understand what I say, but we have people that you've mentioned in your columns that something something happened not long ago. Trump was the trigger. Do you think, I I guess I, I... I'm hard-pressed to think beyond how Trump was the trigger. In other words, it seems like he embodied whatever was necessary to trigger people, that that it wasn't Trump specifically. It was just that... Trump was
1: the... Okay, Trump was the light you turn on in the kitchen that show you where all the cockroaches are. And Trump exposed which people in the conservative movement were only in it for the money, were only in it for the prestige, We're willing to go along with George W. Bush's criminal dishonest wars, willing to let Christians be subject to genocide in Iraq and do absolutely nothing about it, willing to let the pro-life issue sit on the back burner, willing to put women into combat in the military, willing to affirm same-sex marriage, willing to leave the borders open. In other words, selling us out and basically being Democrats in drag really bad drag with like three-day stubble. Uh, and what we saw, the neoconservatives, the, now the never Trump so-called conservatives, they were never with us in the first place and they controlled our institutions. They lied to us, they foisted on us, worthless nominees like George W. Bush and Mitt Romney and John McCain, and that was never real. That was a fake
0: opposition. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, not really with you, with myself. and um, When I remember close to 20 years ago, uh, you and I were having lunch talking about the Iraq war, the pending war, and you were the only conservative that I knew that was speaking against it and saying why it's a bad idea. And I remember just being astounded because... I uh, in many ways, I'm a simple person and I was just confused that, wow, how can we how can we have division on on an issue like this? It struck me as so basic when when Bush ran uh, for reelection, when uh, who who was next? Was it Romney? It
1: was it was Romney and then McCain.
0: No, it was McCain and then Romney? McCain and then Romney, right? Okay. Right. Who were well, basically two Democrats?
1: Okay. Okay, two but
0: but Democrats. but no, this is this is why I'm bringing this up. Is that I remember at the time as kind of a party man. It's the same reason I voted for Trump. I think okay, we've got our nominee. We need to support our nominee because there are these basic things like pro life and you know just fundamental things, Supreme Court justices. And I guess in a funny way, John, what happened is that we did that. Uh, and then you get to Trump and then you have people like David French and others who basically say that's a bridge too far. How are they different from people who didn't vote for Romney or, or uh, McCain? Because I was upset with people who didn't vote for Romney. So or I
1: forced myself to vote for Mitt Romney and John McCain. And that will haunt me on the Day of Judgment. But I did it because I was a good soldier. Our side were good soldiers. We were willing to make compromises and follow behind the neocons and the Chamber of Commerce and the big business conservatives. But they really weren't willing to do the same for us. So when Donald Trump got the nomination, no, no, that's a bridge too far. In other words... The working class core of this country, patriotic Americans, conservatives, basically, the Reagan people, really, we were never supposed to have any representation at all. We were just supposed to play along and vote, as we're told, when we finally got a nominee who spoke to our concerns about immigration transforming this country, about our jobs all being shipped to China. That's when the elites rebelled. The David French's the Jonah Goldbergs they walked away because
0: they were only in it for the money, for the Okay, look that it's easy to say that, and I'm not even necessarily gonna disagree with you, but here's what I will say. Uh, it is hard for me to believe it's that simple. In other words, I think that there are people when I, I remember having Jonah Goldberg on this program, I don't know, four years ago. And I could—he was promoting a book, and in my, uh, you know, uh, happily ecumenical way, I said, "Let's bring on Jonah Goldberg and, and talk about his book because we have more in common th- than than not." But I could—I could, in the interview, I could sense his anger at me. For he, he didn't say it because he was on my program and he was promoting his book, but I, I think I could sense his anger at me. How could I, as an evangelical Christian, which he's not, but how could I support Trump? In other words, what I want to do is I want to give the benefit of the doubt to people, even though I think that they're totally wrong. Folks like Rich Lowry, uh, who's a friend, and Jonah Goldberg, they really bought into this idea, and I don't think that they've given up, that there is something uniquely evil about the Trump phenomenon. Yeah, that's just a lie.
1: They really hate us. They really hate core Americans. They really hate and, and hold in contempt blue collar rubes and rednecks who they, they regard us as like the, 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 your crazy cousin who you keep up in the attic and maybe you bring him out to vote, but then you lock him back up again because he's an embarrassment. They're ashamed of their electoral base. They want to milk us for our votes and then put us back in the barn like cattle. No. Eric, that's your problem. You're always trying to attribute good
0: motivations to people. I, I no, mean, no, no. No, stop with that. that stop I'm it. with you. Uh, no, no, John, what, when you say that, I recognize that we've, we've all got our blind spots. And I realize, looking back, it's why I'm bringing it up right now, is is, is I always try to understand, before God, w- w- what did I miss? Uh, what, what do I need to repent of? I mean, in all seriousness. And, and, and when you say that I'm always trying to, or I'm often trying to um, attribute good uh, intentions to to people. You're quite right. I look back over the decades of my life and I see that that has been a problem for me. I admit it openly here uh, with you, but is it for you, is it mainly a, like, is it a cultural thing? Because when I think of somebody like William F. Buckley, we were all proud that Buckley was so smart and so conservative and such a, you know, in some ways like you, that he used wit and and whatever to defeat his opponents uh, in debate. And and we cheered for him.
1: But he didn't sneer at ordinary people. He said he'd rather be governed by the first 400 names in the Boston phone book than the faculty of Harvard. I'm telling you, Jonah Goldberg and David French would rather be ruled by the Council on Foreign Relations than the population, the voting electorate of the United States of America.
0: And folks, we'll be right back with John Zmirak. Folks, we've got the joy of speaking with our friend, John Smirak. John, uh, you were saying some things that I, I don't like to believe that they're true, but I, I, I think that you're right. I, I take an
1: Augustinian approach to politics. I assume that original sin is behind most phenomena. Look first for the corrupt motivation, and if you can't find one, Look again, and then if you really don't find one, okay, maybe maybe this person
0: is sincere. But that, that is a are I mean, w- w- I'm not trying to to I mean, whatever whatever you said I was doing before, and I agree with you. Where I'm I'm trying to uh, give people an out, right? But don't we all, to some extent, and and again, this is not to make an excuse. I just try to understand it. We're we're all trying to build coalitions, and we're all trying to say, okay. If I don't speak against Trump, this is whether it's Jonah Goldberg or whoever it was, David French, uh, I will lose the credibility that I think I need to have for the larger conservative movement. In other words, in credibility their- with whom?
1: Credibility
0: with whom? Who?
1: who, who with? I, I don't see what credibility Jonah Goldberg or David French or Rich Lowry ever had or ever deserved. They want credibility with their liberal friends. They want to get invited to cocktail parties in New York. They want to be able to appear on ABC News. They want their books reviewed in the Washington Post. That's what they care about, not what happens to our country. Certainly not what happens to people like Kyle Rittenhouse or Ashley Babbitt or Jacob Chansley. You've
0: mentioned... That I, that I know and, and uh, have considered a friend over the years is is Rich Lowry. And I guess, I, I, I think, in other words, even though I, I understand your larger point, I don't think it's so simple. In other words, I think there's a continuum that there are people, um, you know, if you really drill down to what somebody believes, you're right. William F. Buckley, when he made that famous statement, thank God he made that statement whenever he made it, because it's so clarifying, isn't it? It, it kind of tells you, what his idea of conservatism is. It tells you what his idea of America is. Um, When you move along through the decades and you get to the more, uh, to to the neocons, as, as I guess they're called, it began to drift away from that. So is that ideologically George W. Bush and Rumsfeld drifting away from Reagan? Because I still believe, I believe that Reagan believed these things. Something happened. They were never Reaganites. George W. Bush was pro.
1: George H.W. Bush was pro-choice until he was forced politically to claim he was pro-life. His father was was the treasurer of Planned Parenthood of Connecticut. The Bush family have been center left, center right, squishy moderates the whole time. They put on it. They put up like a Reagan face, but they they in fact did not promote Socially conservative policies. They were basically our Marshall Patan They were our collaborationists. They were trying to like cut a deal with us to slowly implement the left's agenda in a more gradual way, so wouldn't shock, wouldn't frighten the horses. And and real conservatives, they always demonize. They demonized Pat Buchanan, and I'm not surprised they demonized
0: Donald Trump because they were threats to their power. It to you, Richard Buchanan, because of course you were a delegate for him. And what year was that? Nineteen ninety-six. Okay, but I mean it's very interesting, John, because it's been a long time since anybody's brought him up, and he to me is exactly the correct person when you when you're when you're trying to sift through this mess. There was something about him. I remember how he was demonized by the conservatives as being a bridge too far, as being a populist, you know, crypto-Nazi, crypto-fascist. All lies. Well, of course, the the lies. But I'm saying I remember that, and I remember how it was the thing to do in many circles to say that we're not going to go there. Right. And um, I still, to this day, struggle to understand what was going on and and why he didn't get farther. I mean, what what did Trump... Because these pseudo
1: conservatives had hijacked the movement and they didn't want the genuine article to appear anywhere in the media, to appear anywhere in politics. They wanted to hijack the brand and they successfully did so. And what we got was gay marriage, a war in Iraq, a genocide of Christians in Iraq, women in the military, tens of millions more low skill immigrants from from the third world. Our jobs shipped overseas. And now somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse can't even shoot communists trying to kill him without the so-called conservative National Review condemning him. Okay, so sounding like the New
0: Republic. But I'm saying that because I'm just, since I have you here, I want to ask. We had this moment with Reagan. Is it, is it that Reagan was alone and that he had no Uh, No one to follow him. I mean,
1: isn't that really? Unfortunately, Reagan picked George H.W. Bush as his vice president. George H.W. Bush filled the White House with his own creatures purged all the, Reagan, the real Reagan supporters. Within yeah. the first two years, all Reagan's real report supporters had been purged from the White House. And George H.W. Bush was, in many ways, effectively president. And then Reagan was shot, and he, de- he, de- he developed you know, medical conditions. He was in- incapacitated. George H.W. Bush was really running the show and taking over the conservative movement. And all the chaos and constant defeat the utter humiliation of the conservative movement since then can be traced back to the toxic influence of the Bush family, who I regard as more dangerous to America than the Kennedy family.
0: What? That's crazy talk. We'll be right back with more crazy talk. Don't go away. Nothing is really wrong. Feeling like I do Hey, folks, we're talking to John Smirak. That's good news. Um, I'm back in the saddle, sort of. Um, John, we uh, don't have a ton of time, but we've got something very important that I, I was hoping you would get to. So uh, let's uh, tell my audience uh, what we should talk about in the remaining time we have. We have a five-part series
1: at stream.org. I didn't write it. I commissioned it. I edited it. It's by a medical researcher named Julie Kolorafi, and I'm hoping you can have her on the show at some point. But it's some very sobering news about COVID medicine and its links to the abortion industry. What people need to know is, first of all, every vaccine that's been approved for COVID in the West is linked to the use of unborn babies, Either pieces of their DNA put into the vaccine itself, or the vaccine tested on their DNA cloned from organs that are cut out of children while their hearts are still beating. These, This is vivisection of living, unborn children. It's going on now at the University of Pittsburgh, funded by the NIH with the approval of Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins. Uh, David of the for the Center for Medical Progress has, has, un, has unearthed the documents and released them to the public. The University of Pittsburgh bragging that the fetal heartbeat is still going on when they cut out the baby kidneys or the baby thymuses, or the baby lungs that they use for the tissue for COVID research. First of all, every one of the vaccines is linked to that. Also in our series at Stream.org, and you can find it, go to Stream.org and search for Sacrificing Children. The title is To Save Ourselves from COVID, We're Sacrificing Children. It's a five-part expose with dozens of links to medical journals, academic articles, and catalogs. And this is the grossest part of it. They're doing Frankenstein experiments where they take the organs cut out of these unborn children while they're still alive and they clone them and add their, their organs to mice. So you've got a mice, a mouse with fetal lung tissue or a mouse with a fetal thymus or kidney tissue. Our article exposes that COVID was created in the first place by experiments on these mice made hybrids with human unborn baby tissue. That's right. COVID developed in China in experiments on these humanized mice. Now, because COVID was developed on this monstrous hybrid of human baby and mouse, the best medicines for COVID can be developed on the creature that was created, that created the virus. So there are hundreds of, and maybe thousands of these humanized mice being sold through catalogs to all the laboratories doing COVID research. Um, And there are at least several dozen, but maybe hundreds of unborn babies have been vivisected while they're still alive to provide organs for this trade in these Frankenstein
0: mice? John, w- w- here's the, the big question. This is what I was talking to Mike Lindell on completely separate subjects uh, a couple of days ago. The difficulty for me as a layman is always trying to make sense of these things. Now, there's you, 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 I hear you say something and I know you and I trust you. But the the larger question that looms behind it all is, why is no one else talking about this? In other words, we have a conservative media in America that they have often not been heroic. But when it comes to the basics, um, it, it strikes me that the reason people tune out is because they can't comprehend that they live in a world where nobody except John Zmirak and Eric Metaxas, or The Stream, or Steve Mike Mandel, Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon. Okay. Steve Bannon
1: has spoken about this issue. I don't know if he's gotten into the humanized mice. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get on his show to talk about it, but he's definitely been very courageous in in fighting against the vaccine mandates. And th- this incredible violation of our personal liberty. But but you know why people don't want to talk about it because it presents them with difficult decisions. When I found out that the vaccine was compromised with aborted babies, I realized I wasn't going to take it. And I'm at high risk because I'm overweight. So I thought, I might die. I might die of COVID, but I'd rather die of COVID. I would much rather die of COVID than benefit from the abortion industry. And well, here's another piece of bad news. The monoclonal antibodies that they're using to successfully treat COVID that President Trump took, they were also developed using unborn baby organs. And what I think is going on, what's fundamentally going on, is the abortion industry is trying to make itself indispensable to yeah. the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Just as we have this Mississippi case that might overturn Roe v. Wade, just as we have this Texas law that has protected countless unborn babies. The abortion industry is trying to make it such that our personal health and well-being depends on the ongoing human sacrifice of these unborn children through abortion. And this is the darkest thing I've encountered in my entire life.
0: Well, what's interesting though, to me, John, is again, the the coalitions. In other words, they're, There is a time when you realize, okay, there's going to be pushback. But something has happened where, I mean, who would I expect to push back the hardest against this? It would be the Catholic Church. I, in my lifetime, I've been able to look to the Catholic Church to stand monolithically against abortion. Now, that's not happening. So it's kind of an incomprehensible moment because you've lost one of your main game board pieces how is it possible that the catholic church which has been staunch against abortion has been silent on this what do you make of that well pope francis is in bed with the same
1: globalists who want the vaccine mandate who want the great reset who want to take away our personal freedoms who want to take away private property freedom of travel want to make us subject to something like a chinese social credit system of governmental control over the political and religious activities of citizens, Pope Francis is a hundred percent on board with that. He allied with the Chinese government against Donald Trump and against Trump's America. Openly allied with them, so he sent his number one right-hand man, uh, Bishop Serrano, to China on a, on a sort of one of those guided tours, and Serrano came back saying China. Lives out Catholic social teaching better than the United States.
0: I'm I'm sorry. Going to a break. Be right back. Talking to John Zmirak. Folks, talking to John Zmirak. I want to remind you finally um that uh, this weekend i'm going to be in san diego california you can go to my website ericmtaxis.com and find out the details um i also want to mention finally midnight tonight nutrimedics.com if you use the code eric it's still 35% off everything but only till midnight tonight november 29th monday john um we mentioned vegano Has he been doing media? Is anybody talking to him? Is Steve Bannon talking to him? What is going on? Vagano is
1: releasing statements that are being publicized by LifeSiteNews.com and by Inside the Vatican Magazine. And they are the people reporting on what Vagano was saying. And Vagano was saying that all the Christian churches are under attack by the forces of Mammon, by Caesar, by an antichrist culture that wants to make our physical health dependent on the sacrifice of unborn children. It's basically turning America into ancient Carthage or or into ancient Canaan. Remember that these are the evil sacrifices that the prophets God raised among the Israelites. They arose to condemn this kind of sacrifice of children for the benefit of adults. That's so perverted. That's the exact opposite. People are supposed to make sacrifices for their children, not of their children. I encourage you to find doctors who don't believe in these treatments. Um, I'm seeing a doctor now who's, he's got me, when I go to public places, I come back, I gargle, and do nasal spray with iodine. It's a, it's betadine. It's available in drugstores. It kills any virus. So I think I'm not going to catch the virus, but I'm damn well not going to use unborn babies to get better. And, and I, I think people I just,
0: but as usual, when I'm, when I'm talking to you, I just have to go to the obvious and say, here we are in America where theoretically there are many, many millions scores of millions of people who call themselves pro-life but they don't even have this information. Uh, sure. It's so hazy. I, I think part of what goes on, John, is that if the information isn't super clear, people think I must be missing something. So you do not have major voices making an issue of this, and sure. that's what's so strange. How can you expect your average American to do all this research and to to, to you know? It's it, it, I I just feel like there's a certain point at which you say. I've got to be missing something because it doesn't make the
1: research for you. Go to stream.org and search for sacrificing children. There's a five part series with links to all the medical journals where these researchers brag about how they're making B. They call them BLT sandwiches uh, uh, out of like mouse organs and, and baby organs that they've taken from mostly Black and Hispanic children in the ghetto. This is Planned Parenthood preying on disadvantaged Americans for the benefit of multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical companies. And ultimately, for medical benefits for you and me, if we're willing to dip our hands in that innocent blood. But I'm not.
0: That's, but that's what's so interesting. I mean, a number of years ago, I actually came up with this idea for a short story. Uh, it was like this futuristic thing. And I thought I could see where murdering the unborn uh, in uh, advanced stages, uh, th- that it, it could rev- it could offer something. And what would it take for the free market to get involved and to say, hey, we've got a great business here. That is happening now. Um, yeah. It's sickening. It's horrifying. Here we are. By the grace of God, we get to talk about it on this program. So John, I want to thank you for writing about it. I want to thank you for editing the series of articles at stream.org folks as you know standing homework assignment go to stream.org please um find this stuff send it to anyone you know send it to your catholic bishops uh we need to get information out there and pray let's not forget to pray god's uh, uh, uh as long as we can pray god hears our prayers and i don't think he's done with this country John Zmirak, my dear friend, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Eric.